Hi everybody, welcome back to um, Drums in the Shed. Sorry, it's been um, three weeks, I think. Um, yeah, when was it? When did I last? Third, uh, third of May. Sorry, yeah. So I was supposed to do something last week, and um, yeah, just kind of didn't get around to it. Just it was a bit of a busy day last Sunday. And then uh, and Monday, I was back in work for the first time this year, which is um, this academic year, I mean. No, actually, well, this year and this academic year, um, which was great. So I'd been lucky enough to have my second vaccine, which was um, on the 6th of May. And, uh, yeah, 17th of May was kind of my 11 days, or whatever they called it, um, after um, they said sort of after 10 days you, you sort of as, it's as good as it gets you know and it's just uh, coincidentally coincided with the first day of our final recitals at college which I was um, been watching all the live recitals apart from the students that I teach but so kind of had a week last week of that um, which was great it was nice to hear some music in real life which is brilliant be in the same room as people see some people at work which is great see some of the students, which was great. Some people I've been teaching all year that I've not seen face-to-face, -face, just seen through the computer screen. So, yeah, it's been like a full-on week. I feel a bit tired, actually. Oof. And then back in tomorrow for more of the same. A bit more this week, but a bit less busy uh, with the, with the travelling. But, um, yeah, so it's been, uh, yeah, just like, wow. Things sort of just suddenly get very back to normal, just like in the blink of an eye go from... Zero to a hundred, you know. So that's been um, that's been good. But yeah, so last Sunday, um, just not to be so British and go on about the weather, but the weather's been really up, quite appalling actually. And uh, you know, I help my partner with uh, with with our allotment, and um, you know, I don't have no idea what what I'm doing. I just she just tells me what to do, and I try my best to get on with it. And um, I don't get down there a lot, but last Sunday there was a bit of a there was a bit of a, an opportunity to do a few hours. So we were kind of down there because it wasn't raining essentially, and it wasn't freezing cold as well. Um, and then this week is just yeah, it's just not great. It's just miserable, miserable, miserable. Raining again now, so decided to come up here now and record this. It's a bit later than I would have, but um, I've got some other stuff done today, so. It's been a very drum, sort of tastic couple of days. I, had to, I think we got rid of one of my kits that I had for sale yesterday, and then I've got another kit which um, I want to get rid of because I need, need the room. And just been doing some servicing on that today. Somebody's kind of interested in it, and I just wanted to get it nice, um, just you know, change some of the heads and do a bit of oiling and stuff like you do. And uh, and it's all and it's all got hardware with those stands and everything, and they're all like in the loft, all sort of put away in um, in a, a big drum case thing I've got up there. So yeah, so it's been like a very drummy day today, and uh, finally got around to doing some practice, and it reminded me of what the kind of episode was going to be about, you know, because um, I sort of realised I've been looking at some of the the last few episodes and. Um, yeah, sort of, kind of thought they've got a little bit, um, you know, a bit off, bit off, 
out of focus, really, just a bit, a bit rambly. And I think that's a bit of kind of the sign, of, you know, a bit, not the sign of the times, but that's not, that's not what I mean. It's a bit sort of, well, unfocused of the times, really. You know, I, feel, I feel kind of unfocused at the moment in relation to kind of playing and music, not, but not, in, not unfocused in relation to practice. And tomorrow I was thinking about the last three, two or three weeks was um, just this thing of when you practice things that you really find difficult because, well, there's two things. One, you might not think that you're interested in them because you might just not think you're interested in them or you might not feel like you can get any interest in them because they're 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 quite hard things and so therefore you, you sort of don't feel the spark of inspiration you know and so that was kind of what I wanted to sort of um, ramble on a bit about today really because that's kind of been a bit of the sign of the times for me the last um the last few weeks has been been sort of trying my best to overcome the latter of that, you know. Because um, it's that thing of, I, don't, I rarely entertain or practice something where I'm not interested in it, you know. One of the things that, um, one, of the, one of the sort of, when we have slightly life-defining moments uh, of understanding when we're growing up is when somebody's very kind enough to explain something to you about you being on the outside of you, you know, being someone that knows you well and puts something in a way which helps to kind of uh, form who you are really and 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 what and what and how you work, you know, how we function. You know, a lot of the time, we're trying to work out a lot of the time. Well, I am anyway, I don't know about you, but trying to work out what the hell's, what the hell am I, who am I, what the hell am I doing, you know, basically, uh, to put it in a nutshell. I mean, there's so many different layers to that. But just that fundamental thing, um, when I was, when I was, um, how old was I? 18. No, 17. It's my, it was a tricky year at school for me. Tricky, tricky year. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's all, yeah, thinking about the memory of it now. Um, tricky year because I was starting to flex my muscles in myself uh, and... It's a difficult age, isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, this thing happens for teenagers at different points. Um, you know, like, we start to find, well, well, who we are. But it's, it's sort of different than that, isn't it? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, we start to, we start to um, like, how we want to do things. Not, not just who we are, but how we kind of want to do things. And then it's just that thing of having opinions, you know, and a sort of having a bit more of an idea about what you're into and stuff. And, and that was a quite a slow process for me because I think, you know, depending on what, what background you're from and, and how you're brought up and stuff, I mean, I think we have different levels of... People have different levels of confidence, don't they, within that thing. And... Uh, 
I, I don't think I was particularly confident at all. I mean, I still don't think I am, actually. Um, and it's a complex thing, isn't it? Because these different parts of the personality, you know, I mean, I fundamentally, like the in, I have the introvert thing is quite a dominant part of my personality. So that has a kind of consequence as well with all that with all that stuff. You know, it's kind of about what you what you do and what you share. You know, and uh, and at that age, if I'm sort of thinking back now. It's pretty hazy, but there's one there's one sort of defining moment, as I was alluding to before, with um, with learning about oneself. I, I was in in the middle of a bit of a pickle with a load of things at school. You know, I was kind of starting to rebel, and uh, I was really getting into the drums. You know, I'm a, I'd been into the drums since I started playing the drums, obviously. But I went, you know, anyone doesn't know the story, and um, it's not a very interesting story, but. Um, for those of you who do, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I, I went to a music school uh, in the UK, Manchester called Cheetons, when I was when I was 14. My teacher, Irene Molan, at the time, taught at Cheetons, and but she was my private um, tutor as well, you know, a drum a snare drum teacher. Um, and by by very very lucky thing, her and uh, her. Her late ex-husband Max lived on on the housing estate, the where I where I grew up in, in a town called Glossop in Derbyshire, which is just the other side of, sort of Tameside, that side of Manchester. And um, he was a very you know I was very lucky, very very lucky to to sort of have this kind of uh, be introduced to first to Max who taught me, and then I and then I kind of got promoted to having Irene for lessons. I used to go every couple of weeks, and uh, you know it was expensive for my parents. We didn't know we had very little money and stuff. And uh, anyway, you know, I auditioned for Cheetons when I was thirteen. I'd not been playing very long, and um, I, I kind of got it. I got in on the reserve list. I didn't get in straight away. There was a lad who was also having Irene uh, lessons with Irene. Who was a lad from Bradford called Andrew Chapman, who's a I think he's in the police now. He lives down sort of Stoke Way or something. We haven't spoken to each other for a few years, but um, great guy. And uh, we we kind of knew each other quite well that age. He he was going for lessons with Irene at, at her house in Glossop, uh, and I was. And uh, but he was from Yorkshire. He's from Bradford, uh, Saltair. His mum and dad um, lived um, nice part of um, nice part of Bradford, and. Uh, yeah, he got in anyway. We there was I don't know how many people auditioned that year, but I know that he was auditioning that year and he got in and he was way more experienced than me. Uh, he'd been playing longer and he and he was a much better tune percussionist than I was. I mean he always was actually. Tune percussion was never my thing and it was one of this was one of the kind of turning points this um, this little period at 17. Anyway, I went there. I got, I eventually got a place. I found out after I got back from a brass band competition, uh, that I'd got this place at school, and, and I, I didn't, I, none of it really meant anything to me at that time. I didn't even know what, what the hell was going on. I was just sort of floating through existence, as you do, you know. And I kind of feel like that, really. That was kind of going on until, you know, about twenty-five minutes ago, really. Uh, no, I'm only joking. But I, I, I did feel like I was floating through existence for quite a long time. Um, anyway. Blah, blah, blah. I went there, all cool, and, um, you know, quite quickly got established amongst 
um, whether within the school amongst my peers and the teachers and, and whatever as, as, a, as, a, as a drummer as well as a percussionist you know I was kind of known for being this quite sort of experimental sort of jazz jazzy kind of drummer who likes to play extremely long solos and it was all nonsense really but um, you know I was expressing myself which was cool but I wasn't really aware at the time that I was expressing myself I was just playing the drums you know because that was what uh, I'd kind of ended up in this situation, you know, when I was at comprehensive school and going to the brass band and my mate Vince Walton and stuff. And I just, you know, I just had this kind of space to kind of just sort of find out at that point kind of a little bit about who I was, you know. And then the next stage in that development was was how I wanted to do things. And, and when we got when I got to 17, the first year... You know, this lower sixth year we call in the UK, where it's like the college age as well. You know, when sixteen you go into this sixth form. You know, it's two more years before you go off to college. You know, go off to do uh, higher education in the UK. It's quite a confusing thing for people in different parts of the world. You know, so I know it's very different in the states. And it's different in like Sweden and places where I'd lived a bit and stuff. So it's a very simple system in the UK. You know, you go to school till you. 11 and it's junior infant junior school then you go to a comprehensive school or you know whatever like a grammar school or something between the age of 11 to 15 or to the end of fifth form you do sort of four year five years whatever it is and then you have to stay in education at 16 but you've got lots of different choices and when i did it, it there was no real choice you just stayed at school you know and so when we went into our lower sixth, lots of political things happened at the school. It was a very, very difficult time, you know. Um, lots of shenanigans was going on. Um, and um, interesting now, you know, being someone that um, is working as a kind of manager with an academic, an academic manager and, and, you know, and... Um, you know, managing people that teach and stuff, and just imagining what it was like for these people that were navigating the thing that we were being taught through it was quite complex, you know. Anyway, it wasn't a particularly happy time, and I ended up with a teacher I didn't like. Um, very, very good teacher, but we just didn't get on, you know, and uh, we had very, quite different opinions about stuff, and uh, he thought I'd been brainwashed into playing traditional grip, for instance, you know, and that wasn't true. I'd made a, I'd really made a decision to play traditional grip. Irene certainly hadn't told me to play traditional grip because her and Max didn't really play traditional grip predominantly. They were more match players or very good snare drum. Both of them were very good snare drum players. It was Max that was more kind of... Um, he was more experimental with me when I first went to went to have lessons with him. He, he was really encouraging me to sort of uh, to to experiment with different ways of holding the sticks, you know. And he, I felt really comfortable and connected with with the way he was talking about that, you know. It was um, I can remember it now. I can remember him playing the drumstick in his right hand between his middle and his forefinger, like a, like Gary Burton grip on the vibes. You know, you put a stick between the two fingers and then playing on the pad and just show him, look, the stick bounces like this, and then show me different fulcrums and stuff, you know. And his thing was, it felt like he was saying to me, you find your own way to do this, you know. Um, and that legacy has stayed with me until now. Um, but that's a whole other episode, which uh, I'll probably never re remember to do, but if I ever listen back to this episode, it will remind me that that's another episode. Anyway, uh, 
when I when I got to when I got into my lower six, I got, got this new teacher, and uh, it really wasn't great. You know, I was really unhappy with my lessons, with my percussion lessons, and alongside this, I was still practicing the drums ferociously. I was playing, the, I was practicing the drums every day, and I was playing every day as well. We had a, we had a very good jazz quartet at school, which had won sort of national competitions and things, and. We were playing some quite interesting music, uh, very, very good players in the band, you know. And um, so, like, the drum thing, I was just... The drum, it was all about the drum thing for me, but alongside that, I was still, you know, doing all the percussion stuff, playing in the orchestra's percussion ensemble and everything, and, and uh, you know, trying to trying to do, you know, have my lessons and, and trying to learn my stuff. And I was really struggling with the tune percussion because I wasn't really interested in it, you know. It just didn't interest me. Um, like I, I'd never got hooked into it. Like something never caught my attention, and it was like, yeah, I can get into this because of this. You know, it, it never really happened until the year after. But during this year, I had a really, I had a really diabolical time around November. So we, we were sort of back in school, September, really not getting on well with this teacher. And in November, I had this lunchtime concert I had to do. And we did, we did them all the time. You, you, your name just went down on, on a thing and then, you you know, you had to do your little lunchtime concert. And you did one or two a year, if I remember rightly. And they were just like, nobody was watching. Nobody ever came to watch them apart from, you know, like your girlfriend and your best mates to take piss out of you, you know. But um, I had to do this lunchtime concert and then I, can't, I had to play this Bach cello sonata on the marimba, you know. And uh, I was very good at memorising things. So I'd learnt this this thing and memorised it and kind of do, kind of done it, you know, uh, and quite a few weeks before and I wasn't really interested in it and I could kind of play it and stuff and it was fine, you know. But I just didn't have, I just didn't have any interest in playing you know, this music on this instrument, like, uh, I mean, I really love Bach, you know, and uh, I just wanted to hear it played on a cello, you know. And at the time, the girlfriend there was a cellist. She was a very, 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 very good cellist. And uh, anyway, she said to me, she said, um, I did this gig. and I had, Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. So, yeah, I did this gig. And I had a memory lapse during this gig, you know, um, and ended up, it's like, I had to do the walk of shame to my briefcase, where I had my music in a briefcase, you know. I used to have briefcases at school with little locks on. It's hilarious. I have all the, you know, all your, your drumsticks and your percussion sticks and timp sticks and everything, your music. I had to do the walk of shame, you know, around the room to get the music out. And then when I put it on the stand, I couldn't read it because I'd memorised it and I'd never really read it, you know. So it was just like, it was a disaster. And I ended up sort of improvising. And this was one of the key sort of moments here. Um, anyway, I got in loads of trouble for this, you know, and it caused a load of conflict and I ended up having a big um, argument with um, the head of the department at the time. It must have been before November, actually, because there's a, there's, a, there's a little twist in this tale, which was quite sweet, one of those sweet little moments you rarely, rarely have in life, which is something you normally see in a cheesy, um, in a cheesy soap opera script. But anyway... After this gig, I was sat... I always remember being sat outside and just, like, my head in my hands, like, it was a nightmare. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, she just said to me, well, you're not really interested in it, are you? You know, so 
And I'd never thought about it in that way before. It never occurred to me. Yeah, I know. What had occurred to me was that I should be doing this thing well because I had to, because I was in this privileged position and now, you know, I've got to be letting my parents down and all this, you know, just that being thing of being conflict, you know, being a good, being a good kid and all that conflicting with this thing of on the other side of my semi-aware personality at the age of 17 of being really, really focused and drawn on this other thing that was far more interesting to me, you know, the drum kit. And in that moment, I, I suddenly learned something about myself and that I've never forgotten, you know, is that, um, and it's so obvious now, uh, and it'll be so obvious to anybody who's listening to this. So, you know, why I'm sharing it, this story is, is not, not the reason why I'm sharing this story, but it's just, it's just that thing today, the, the title of it is Interested or Not, you know. And I spent a lot of time after that being aware of when I wasn't interested in something and thinking about why I wasn't. Uh, and sometimes just being very clear about why I wasn't. But the um, just as a just to sort of cadence that story to, to sort of round it off, um, I had a big argument with the heads of department at the school at the time and, um, and uh, he was quite disparaging about my progress, you know, and rightfully so really because I, you know, I wasn't interested. So I wasn't really working as hard as I could, you know. Um, but he said to me, you'll never get into music college, you know. You're, you're, you're going to have to think about doing something else with your life, you know. It was a, and it was one of these, it was quite a dark conversation uh, in a in a dark room actually with a, with a light you know single light and it was a late it was a late evening conversation you know and it was a and it was a you need to Walsh you need to you know find another way you're not going to get into music college you're not going this music thing isn't going to happen for you and all that stuff and it was a pretty negative vibe you know very old school you know not the sort of conversations that you um, that you can have nowadays. Um, and I get that, but in that room that night, I was determined to prove him wrong, you know, just out of spite, even though I wasn't interested. And so, anyway, later in the in the into the winter, so to speak, before Christmas, I had my college auditions. I did three auditions that year. I did the, the Guildhall, School of Music and Drama in London. I did Trinity, the old Trinity, when it used to be in the middle of London, Marlborough High Street. And um, and I did the Royal College. Uh, I don't really know why I did the Royal College. Um, so my audition experience was um, was definitely um, both ends of the scale. The Royal College audition I did was truly dreadful. Everything about it was was just negative. You know, I didn't like the place. Didn't really like the vibe when I was in the audition. Didn't like the people that were auditioning me particularly. One one guy. I don't remember who any of them were. But I remember one guy was nice, but the guy who was a temp specialist guy there. Um, he's quite stern character and very very bespoke and uh, bijou, you know. And I just found him a bit irritating and pretentious, you know. Because um, it was all about it was all about traditional heads, you know, like the old school temp tuning, tuning by hand, and all that there. And I was just like, oh come on, you know, we're living in the twentieth century now. We got we got pedal temps, you know, and we got to play all this kind of complicated music where you need to retune and you know, blah blah blah. And I was I was good timpanist, I think. I, I don't say many good things about myself, but 
I was a pretty good timpanist because I because I was interested in the crossover stuff because I was watching Buddy Rich and Art Blakey and people, you know. So I was interested in that uh, element of timps, you know, and I like playing German technique on timps. I was good at playing German technique. I, I wasn't that into French actually. The French finger control thing and that technique didn't come to me till a lot, lot later on kit. I wasn't really into it playing timps. I was much more into the German thing. I like the three finger dampening system and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when I went to do my Trinity audition, it was mega. Um, the guys were so nice to me and I was in there for ages. I think I was in there for like two and a half hours, you know, and the guys, they bought me cappuccino and just talked about playing and did loads of playing with them and stuff. And uh, and uh, and then when I did my Guildhall audition, I did that right two days before Christmas, 23rd of December. I went down to London on my own and I went, and it was very, very strange, very, very kind of lonely experience. But when I got into Guildhall, I met this lad and he was auditioning with me and the, the, the old school... The old system at the Guild all the time was very old school. You went and did your first audition. And then they put names up on a board. And the names up on the board thing was uh, was a second audition. I, I don't even remember what the difference between the two was, to be honest with you. And this lad I was with, we got on really well. And I, I don't know where he was from. Um, we were just a nice lad, you know. And we were both a bit similar, just a bit like freaked out and lonely, you know. Tra Travelled up to London on our own and everything. And... Uh, and um, yeah, and, and by this time, um, I was in my uh, yeah, it was my lower sixth because it was uh, oh no, it was the upper sixth. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm getting the I'm getting the year wrong here. Sorry, um, it was yeah, in my in my in my upper sixth now. Um, so I was yeah, just eighteen now. So um, I went to the skill audition, and my name was up on the board for the, sec the, the, the second bit, you know. And, and the guy I was with name wasn't up on the board, and it's a bit sad, you know. And then I went off and did something else, and then I remember having this interview with the the, the person who was the head of music at the time, director of music. I can't remember um, what his name was. Uh, nice chap. Uh, and then he told me in the audition. Because I was the last person to audition. I mean, I think I was actually their, their actual last of all the instruments. I was the last one, you know. He sort of said to me, oh, I can tell you that we're going to offer you a place, you know. Um, you will we'll, we'll write to you in the new year, you know. And I was just like, mum, I was completely blown away. I remember walking out, I remember walking down the street back to the tube, Moorgate tube, and just feeling like I was floating, you know. Because it was that thing of the relief of like, oh, I'll have something to do next year. You know, I was going to leave leave music school and, you know, not having anything to do would was just like, it was the most terrifying thought in life, you know, of like nothing to do, you know, because music's like, it's a precarious old thing. You've got to find people to make music with. You've got to find your way, you know. And the, 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 the stepping stone was always get into college. Get into college and then after that, you can really start to, you know, make network and you can establish yourself in a scene and blah, 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 blah. Well, none of that worked out for me, but that was fine because doing the actual thing of going down there and at least knowing that it wasn't for me was as important as not succeeding in that environment, you know. But um, when I got, uh, yeah, when I got home and my mum and dad were really chuffed, you know, and everything, and then I got the letter in the new year um, and it came to school, you know, 
because because I had auditioned, because like they'd written the school had organised the auditions. But in the meantime, I'd gone online, not online, I can't remember what I'd done. There was no online then, what am I talking about? 1988? I'd gone, I think it was something at school or something. Uh, they had some sort of system that was, I think it was on a computer or something, I can't remember. But anyway, I'd, um, I'd also heard from Trinity that they'd offered me a place as well. So I, how smug was I, you know, telling this guy, this head of uh, Wimbrass and Percussion at the time, telling him, delighting to tell him about my two college places, you know. Uh, and one of them was Gildor, you know. Well, I mean, they were both prestigious, but the Gildor one was a real feather in the cap. You know, they only took four students a year, you know. And um, Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's, so that was the, the, the resolution of all that. And after that, in that year, uh, my upper sixth, I, I'd got a different teacher uh, because they'd swapped teachers. And I'd also got Dave Hassel. Um, and I was having drum lessons with Dave Hassel every week, uh, every two weeks, sorry, for an hour. I used to get on the train, go and have a cigarette down to Timpley and um, go to Dave's, have a lesson. And there were always, I always, Dave always gave me longer than an hour. He used to be there for a while and it was great. And I used to love going to see Dave and uh, I still do. But then it was, it was a really valuable thing for me. And he, it was the first time... <clears throat> on the drum kit that I'd ever had a lesson, you know, with anybody. I'd been having snare drum lessons for years and I was, I was a very good snare drum player. But to get that kind of input uh, on the drum kit uh, was really invaluable, but it was also very challenging because some of the things that Dave gave me, I found really, really um, hard. <laughs> and out of my own insecurity and my own ego and all those kind of things, which I think I've talked about <clears throat> a few times in other episodes, I didn't practice these things like I should have done. I did practice quite a lot of things that Dave gave me, but some of the stuff I really found it very, very hard to get my head into because they were not immediately gratifying. They were they were hard work and they were, they were all about coordination stuff, you know. And and the big, big the big revelation for me in the last five or six years, and I hark on and on about it all the time until you know until I bore everybody to death. But it's just this thing of of really getting on top of the coordination, and um, and it's something that I've been doing a lot of work on this last year, and especially having lessons again and and getting into some really quite quite hard stuff for me coordinationally, you know. And it's been a really challenging time because it's been trying to get this balance right of, first of all, just being interested in dealing with coordination. So I really am interested in it now and I've, and I, I've got nothing to prove to myself, got nothing to prove to anybody else, and nobody else is interested in any way. So the whole thing is just about this kind of, this sort of, this self, um, this journey of self-discovery, you know, this 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 kind of, uh, the, the lonely journey, I call it, you know. Um I don't mean that in a kind of, oh, it's all sad and lonely. I don't mean it in respect to that. I just mean, I think that this the journey on the instrument that we, the sort of beating heart, Stuart McCallum puts it, of what we do when we practice our instrument is is something that's that's private, you know. it's um, And it's something that, 
it's kind of it's, uh, it's something we do alone you know um, so that's what I kind of mean by the lonely journey. It's, it's, a, it's a journey that we do alone, but we we can share that in lots of different ways. Like I'm sharing with you now, you know, in a kind of a in a retrospective way, or, or about what I'm actually doing now, or you know, looking back at things, or talking about what I'm about to do, or whatever. It may help you to reflect upon what you're doing and think about how you're practicing or what you're practicing or what you're finding hard to practice. And are you finding it hard to practice because you don't know why you're interested in it? Or maybe you're not interested in it, or maybe you're you are interested in it, but you're finding it kind of hard to to get to break through that sort of initial barrier of um, of the complexity of something that's new to you, you know. And I've had I've been very lucky since I've had these lessons because every new exercise that I've got, when I've come to sit down and practice it for the first time, I have that wonderful feeling of being a beginner again, you know. Um, I've always been able to just get into it, like just find a way into it reasonably quickly, just because I've got some different strategies for how to sort of do things, you know, um, which I which I share a lot when I'm teaching. Um, but I use those things obviously myself because they work, you know, and especially coordination, just that thing of looking at things in a different way than the than the two or the three separate patterns on the page, thinking about things more from a, a perspective of a sticking or from a perspective of it being a rhythmic shape, you know, or the perspective of it being um, like a kind of um, like a layered thing of rudiments. Um, like when I was practicing that thing of the cascara on to on a beat later, you know, it's it's a, it's a pattern with with it's a it's actually a flam pattern with quavers and crotches, you know, things like that. Different anyway, different ways of you know getting into an exercise. But having said all that, um, it's still there's still been it's still been hard with some of these exercises to really feel hooked in. Um, to practice in them and feel like I'm making progress, you know. Uh, and it's also that thing of like, you know, what what is the barometer of progress? You know, what what does how does one sort of measure progress when you're when you're practicing these types of things? You know, because like what I, the stuff I'm doing is it's not like I'm learning when I used to, when I was at school. What was very easy when you're doing the classical percussion thing, and it's not easy to do, but just that thing of when you kind of tick boxes off, you know, you, you know, you get given a snare drum piece and you you go away and you learn the piece, you come back and you play it for your tutor and they give you, they say, yes, you played that, the technique's good, sounds good, that's good, let's move the next one, you move on. And with this stuff, like I haven't practised for a week because I've been away at work, and today I sat down for the first time. I've got a nice little practice kit set up in here now. So I've got the drum room next door, but in this bit where I've got the computer, I've got um, a proper little setup with hi-hat bass drum pad and a cymbal, you know, so I can practice all of my four-way coordination stuff that I'm doing, not on the drum kit. I think I was sort of, I was starting to worry about driving the neighbours a bit mad with some of the really, really dull, repetitive stuff I've been practising, you know. 
Um, so I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to spare them the misery of, of this kind of abstract drum nonsense that nobody wants to listen to. So, um, so when I come to sit down and and and, and practice th- that that stuff, the end of last week, um, I, I was really starting to make progress on. One of the exercises I, I kind of had understood incorrectly and I'd done the classic thing like I tell all my students, do you understand? Are you going to remember? Well, I'd not understood, but I had remembered what I'd not understood. So I'd practised something um, wrong, but it was it was not a bad exercise. And, and John was actually saying, oh, that's actually, uh, yeah, that's quite a good exercise, actually, but it's not what I asked you to do. And I said to him, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to carry on practising that. And he was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, having now spent a bit of time since that lesson practicing the thing that I was supposed to practice properly, and it's and it is different, and still doing the other thing that I was doing, which I was doing correctly, I've realized that I actually don't need to practice the thing that he didn't ask me to practice in the first place. That's the whole farce of this, as you can hear, is um, yeah, obvious to everybody else apart from me. Well, there you go. So, uh, but you know, you know, we go through these things to learn, don't we? And it all becomes clear after the event, hindsight and all that. But I was starting to practice um, this thing he was showing me, which is um, quite hard. And I've started to get really on top of a couple of the patterns at the end of last week before I had to kind of go back to work, you know. Anyway, I sat down today uh, to start practicing some of that stuff again, just to just gently get back into it. And I was really struggling to to get close to where I was a week or so ago. So the stuff is nowhere near in yet, you know. Again, this kind of... Um, today was not even feeling like conscious competence, you know. It was... Um, consciously slightly incompetent sadly but it kind of got it kind of got back there and it's also as well i can feel just on the edge of it i can feel that it's not far away you know and and for me the barometer for me so if we're talking about what is the barometer well the barometer for me is that feeling of how far away something is there's a pattern that i've been practicing which is um, the correct exercise, the other exercise that he gave me to do, which, which I was practicing correctly. Though I was concentrating really on one uh, two-bar loop, which had the offbeat crotchet triplets and the offbeat quaver triplets, and then the time in the right hand and then the bembe thing in the left foot and playing, and the, and the offbeat crotchet triplets and the offbeat quaver triplets between the left hand and the right foot. And I kind of felt like that exercise, something about that, just that two bar, because that's one of, on Comping 4 in John Riley's book, it's one of the patterns. It's on the first page of Comping 4, about halfway down in the in the right-hand column on the left-hand page on the first page. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. I think that's where it is. Uh, I can't see the book from here. But, um, but that pattern, when I was practising some of the patterns, that one really felt to me like if I can really get that pattern comfortable that one feels like it's starting to tick a lot of boxes just in my head, just in a, as a feeling, you know. And I sat down today and played that, and I could play it pretty much off the bat, you know. And that's taken a that's taken me that's taken me a number of weeks to get there, you know. I mean, I'm not practicing it every day, and I'm not spending hours on every day that I'm practicing doing it. I'm spending short amounts of time 
just work going around in circles with a, with a group of different exercises that I've got, you know. And I've got my little book. So in my little book, I've got, I'm writing out what the different exercises are and just making reference to ones that are not written in a book but are in other books just as to what the exercises are, you know, as a kind of, as a reminder. And... Uh, and it was that thing of of this this title, interested or not. And I was looking at all those different exercises and how this last couple of lessons, the things that I've been given, I'd I'd really found hard, you know. And it's right because you should be doing things, you know. There's no point in going to a lesson to get stuff that's like, hey, I can do that and sound great, and everyone's having a great time. You know, it's a complete waste of everybody's time. That. I want to be going to the lesson and be giving something that's making my eyes roll, you know, and making me want to cry and go, oh, no, this is like, what? And uh, and that's every time I, I see him, that's that's what happens because there's, there's so many layers to this stuff, you know. And uh, I feel like, you know, I could, I could be... I could be I could be having these lessons for twenty more years, and that that would be the case in every lesson, you know, which is a which is a wonderful thing. And so, so the so the barometer for me in relation to oh, when do you feel like you're making progress, Dave? You know, is just this feeling of of coming to the instrument and and seeing more of a glimpse of what it is. Um, each time I come to practice it, you know, it reveals itself not only as an exercise but as a feeling. Does that if that makes sense? You know, because it's not only, you know, you can have a conceptual uh, revelation. You know, you go for a lesson with somebody and they go, "Oh, there's this thing you can practice, and it's like this, and it's like this vibe," and you go, "Oh, wow, that's amazing." I'd never thought about things in that way before, you know, and so that can be a real eye-opening moment. But the next layer of that is when you spend some time practicing something and it starts to reveal itself in how it feels. You know, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say, which is you know, again kind of obvious, but um I think sometimes it can be useful to think about things in that way. You know, if you um when you're practicing something, we can be very, uh, very visual. I think sometimes, or quite intellectual. And if we have that sort of third element, just in our kind of mind's eye about how does this feel to play this thing? You know, actually, not. I mean, we, we obviously we, you know, we're playing. We feel what it is to play it. But sometimes I don't think we're aware of how we feel when we're playing something. And just when you're practicing, I think it's I think I, I it works very well for me just to have just to be sort of feeling what it's like to play that thing as well as hearing that it's correct and, and also using my intellectual mind, my my understanding of it to, to sort of check that it's correct, you know. Um the fourth element as well is is the sound. I mean, which is the most for me is the most important element really. It's, yeah, it's like a, you know, they're all important. But it's, you know, if you, having the exercise in the first instance and understanding what it is, like I didn't understand this one, I got wrong, um, and then we'll be able to remember it is really, really important. But that should always be on the backdrop of how do I want this to sound, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I was getting to getting into this 
just getting into thinking about this this circle of exercises that I've got. This getting this this circle gets bigger and bigger, and you know, and some things have have sort of fallen a little bit outside the circle, you know, because I've just not had time to practice them. And then look back through the exercises and go, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, that thing, uh, and go back and and find something else to do with it, and and also just checking in with things that I feel like I've ticked. Hey, I've done that thing, you know, and then you play it and you're like, I haven't done that thing, ah, you know, but just having that awareness of whether or not I'm, fa- I'm practicing it effectively enough because I'm not kind of giving it my 100% interest, you know, in myself, in, in, in the way I know that if I'm getting into that headspace of, oh, I'm not giving this everything because it's hard, you know. I'm I'm sort of not giving giving it it's the, the you know the sort of the the amount of time it needs the attention it needs I'm sh- I'm shirking away from it I'm shying away from it um, so therefore I'm shutting down my interest of it you know I'm sort of denying denying that it's kind of exists and uh, yeah it's just been it's been a very interesting time with that uh, learning uh, again you know learning more about oneself and about how to how to overcome that you know and uh an obvious answer for me because i was thinking about oh you know if i was going to give somebody some advice what would i how would i say help them overcome that problem you know and there's lots of different layers to it i think and some of it's I mean, well, one can only talk from one's experience, so I would never say any of this to somebody else. But what I can share about myself, and this may be something that you um, that means something to you, I don't know, is that I definitely, and I've talked about this before, this is not news, this is not news, as they say. One thing is de- definitely about insecurity and about ego. Um, and I kind of feel like sometimes with musicians, you know, we can, we can mistake wanting to, um, wanting to be respected for wanting people to think that we're good at something, you know, and, and that was always something, I mean, when I was living down in London when I was like 18 and 19 and I had a, I had a good friend called John Noyce. He's a great bass player, John. Yeah, he's a, well, he's a, great, he's a great musician. He's a, he's a very, very, very switched-on guy, you know. Um, he's, a, well, he's a very, very serious bass player. And I remember we're talking, me and, me and him were talking years and years ago and we were just, just sort of lamenting about about you know being musicians and being sort of artists or whatever and about you know just wanting to be allowed to get on with what we're doing and he said to me he said to me all I just all I want is to just just be respected you know just for like just be respected for what I do um not you know not liked and not like oh yeah, amazing just just be allowed be allowed to get on with it, you know, people have the respect to allow me to get on with it. You know, that's the that's the way I 
took it because of John and what he's like as a person, you know, a very uh, humble human being, you know, very much of the music and for the music, you know. And uh, I mean, John's a bit younger than me, but I always I always felt like he was <laughs> he was like 10 years older than me. Um, and, and not all before his time, but just, you know, he just felt more mature, you know, I don't know. Um, and I, I always really connected with that it was it really felt like that was what it was all about for me but the challenging thing in that that I found more and more in my own personal development and then coming across obstacles or problems when I was playing with people and and being challenged by situations and maybe not being as good as I thought I was you know or as capable as I thought I was which I think is more um, I, I always thought I should be capable, you know. I, I thought I was well-trained because I had a classical music kind of upbringing from the start of my playing. I started playing when I was 12 and I was basically, you know, I was playing classical percussion from the age of 12, you know, just, just above 12 and reading and doing it all properly as as, as my mum wanted. She wanted me to learn properly, you know, and God bless her for uh, for wanting to do that, for having that insight, you know. And um, but the challenging thing I found more and more as I got more and more experienced was that I was not as capable as I thought I was, and I found that very difficult. Found that in an egotistical sense, you know, in, in a kind of um, in a, in a, in for the for the wrong reasons kind of sense because. It was because um, it was everything, you know. And so when something's everything and you're not so good at it, and people are saying, "Oh, this is not happening," you know, this is not doesn't sound great. Or I need to work on this, or blah blah blah. All these things are a problem, and you're not cutting it and stuff. It's you know we take it very personally. And the effect it had on me in practicing was that it started to make me shirk, shy away, and shirk off doing the hard stuff, you know. And I would occasionally make little breakthroughs because I'd. Because I know that, like, I've got this thing where I can think about things and then I can play them. And not not with everything. Uh, and I've got to have a very clear idea about what something is. But I can certainly spend intellectual time getting that thing together in my brain. Because it's a neural thing, isn't it? You know, the neural network thing and all that stuff. Plasticity of the mind and things. Just even that thing of visualisation, of thinking about what something is. Um did occasionally lead to some nice eureka moments that didn't feel painful to practice. But I spent a lot of years in my 20s and 30s, I spent a lot of years playing, probably playing too much and practicing very little, you know, really. Um, but a lot of it was this thing of, of, of not really finding a healthy place in my head of challenging myself, you know, and and feeling the sort of self-worth thing, you know. And uh, as I've got older and better, and as I've had more experience, and as I've taught and seen how students, very, very good students have developed, you know, it's been a very humbling experience for me in relation to enjoying that moment uh, with a new exercise of feeling like a beginner, and then not allowing that part of my brain, my ego or whatever it is, to interject and to fake me into losing interest, you know, uh, fake me into 
doing something else, you know, or or, or um, telling myself it's too hard, you know. Um, I don't believe anything's too hard anymore, you know. I made a commitment on this podcast back a few months ago that in one year I said I would play something on here where I was playing with left foot clave, you know. And uh, I've been practising lots of exercises using the left foot clave thing and I st- it still feels like it's a big, big mountain for me to climb. I feel miles off it. I feel further off it now than when I made the challenge because I know more about it and know how nowhere I am at it. But I still think that I'm going to be able to, in one year, get to a place where um, I can play something. Now, at the time, I think I was thinking about playing something and it was a bit superficial, but now it feels like I'm going to be able to play with that ostinato, you know, play stuff. Um so I think I made some comment that I'll probably get there sooner, but actually I'm not going to get there any sooner than than, than when I promised to do it because I think by the time I, I'm at that point of um, being a year on from when I promised, I'll be in a position where I can play that thing as a, as a as, as like I can play other things, you know. So um, it's good to set those little markers. You know, and 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 three or four years ago, I'd never have, I would never have made that commitment to something because I'd never have thought I was capable of doing it. You know, kind of a bit stuck in my ways a bit. You know, and and uh, actually, I mean, I'm fifty now. Anybody who's out there who's, I don't know who's listening to this and what age you are, but at any age, I, I don't challenge you, but I, um, I would ask you to think, sit and think about something, one thing that you feel like you can't do and that you never feel like you'd be able to do. Um, and for me, that was one of those things was left foot clave. And a lot of, a lot of that's to do with I never thought I was going to be able to play the kind of the basic latin stuff when i was when stuff dave gave me when i was 17 i didn't practice any of that stuff because it was hard you know it was just too hard and i was do i was playing too many funky other things and people were saying how great i was you know for me to to spend any painful time practicing this really hard stuff and it's pathetic you know but that's just a you know full disclosure thing there egotistical full disclosure thing which you know, it was uh, definitely uh, definitely hindered my progress um, through um, you know my twenties. It was a very negative thing, and you know, not to go too deep into into all that stuff, but you know, to have had therapy um, and talked about that time and um, look back at that time now having had those conversations uh, independently with somebody you know um and 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 reevaluated some of the events of that time in my life um it was uh yeah it was a time where i really wasn't functioning very well and for the right reasons you know so it's good to learn 
And so I would, if you're, you know, if you, whatever age you're at, if you're, if you've got a real thing in your head about something that you really think you can't get down or do, or you're not capable of, or is not within your grasp or whatever, I would sit and think about that. Think about why that is, because I, I believe that you could get that thing together, you know. Anybody could get anything together that they really wanted if you've got some affinity with the instrument. You know, I, I, I don't think anybody can play the drums and sound great. I mean, that sounds a bit, I don't know, um, not of the time, shall we say, because it's all supposed to be, you know, everybody's supposed to be opportunities for everybody and everything and all, and all that stuff, which is beautiful. But, you know, it's like I couldn't run 100 metres. When I was... When was I running 100 metres? When I was 12, I was a pretty good uh, cross-country runner because I've got long legs and I was reasonably fit when I was that age, you know. In our in our year of a comprehensive school, there was, um, I don't know how many kids were in our year. Um, God knows. I've got absolutely no idea, to be honest with you. I was in one of many classes in our year. Um, but I would regularly in the year group come about fifth or sixth at cross-country running, you know. I mean, most of the kids were just, like, tossing it off and having a bit of a laugh and, you know, whatever. But I, I, I used to quite like it. And I used to quite like the solitude of it. Again, you know, the introvert thing of running. and It's quite like running and... I used to like. I, I used to hear music in my head and rhythms when I used to run and stuff. I used to quite like it, and I liked the countryside. And we had quite a nice cross-country course. And it was quite challenging. It was running through streams and shit. You know, it was good. But hundred meters, my best time of hundred meters was fifteen seconds, like fifteen seconds. You know what I'm saying? So this ain't quick in any in any level. Um, and I wasn't a bad runner. So what I'm saying is, you know, I'm never going to be a... Uh, I never was never going to represent the county of uh, Derbyshire or Tameside or whatever at, at uh, 100 metres because there was kids in the school who were, you know, same age as me who were way quicker. They were, you know, whatever they were, 12 seconds. I don't know what's, yeah, you know, what's Olympics, nine points something and... I don't know, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I was definitely not quick. I was pretty average. I wasn't slow, but I was pretty average. My brother was quicker than me. And, um, yeah, anyway, drum-wise, you know, I do think I have some natural talent, so I think it does put me in ad at an advantage, you know, fundamentally on the instrument and someone that maybe doesn't have that affinity, you know. Not saying that somebody who doesn't have that affinity with the instrument shouldn't have a go and, you know, do whatever, have any opportunities they want. But I think that having a natural affinity with something and kind of seeing the possibilities of uh, having your, you know, the brain wired in that way for a fundamental thing does put you in a position to make further strides, you know. So, you know, but I think anybody who's listening to this is probably involved in the drums in some way. I don't think people, anyone who's listening to this is just some random person listening to a random thing about drums. Um, and if you are, welcome to the world of drums. It's a great vibe. Um but obviously there's nobody, I don't know why I'm talking to somebody like that because they don't exist. So 
I would say to you, drum person out there, you should challenge yourself to learn something that you feel is outside of your capabilities uh, and that would actually capture your interest if you could get over that initial hurdle of your own kind of like, you know, your own belief system of, of for whatever reason, you know, I just oh, I don't think I'm good enough to play whatever, you know. I, I learned this r sort of rudimental pattern thing recently and I saw it, somebody online was playing it and uh, it was hard, you know. There was something about it, there's a little twist in it, the stick in, and I've really got it down now, play it pretty fast, you know. And that was, you know, I just did it through a systematic way of practising. It was, I haven't, I haven't learned anything like that for years, like just a snare drummy kind of thing. I'm kind of, you know, this year I've, I've said several times is, is about the, is the year of the snare drum for me. Um, it's actually the year of the coordination and the year of the snare drum. Uh, and I think that those two things combined just make it the year of the drums, don't they? So it's just another year of drums, Dave, you know. I mean, it was making these kind of grand gestures. Um but, you know, we have to keep ourselves enthused somehow and focused somehow. And for me, it's just about keeping things interesting, keeping things interesting. You know, I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting in itself, but um, it's whether or not, you know, I, I don't know where sometimes I think, do I really need to keep moving the goalposts so much or do I just need to just just shut up and get on with it, you know? And uh, well, I definitely feel like this year. This year, I've definitely done more of that. I should just sort of shut up and get on with it thing, which has been good. And it feels nice to have been um, obviously, you know, teaching regularly and and being able to be a bit more sort of focused on my own practice as well as on what the students are doing, and, and feel a little bit in this kind of disconnected time because I've felt so di physically disconnected, you know, um, to have felt sort of connected to them in a more of a kind of existential spiritual way, you know, like in, in a kind of, uh, in a, in a, an energy out there kind of way, you know, yeah, I'm practicing as well. I'm, I'm working like you are. I'm challenging myself every day as well. You know, I'm not just sat here like, you know, playing and having a nice vibe while you're really working hard and practicing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I feel like I'm really doing that more than I've ever done that in my life, you know, and I feel like, um, really uh lucky to be able to share that you know and to sort of just hopefully be a bit inspiring you know even though things at the moment are for musicians are still a little bit unclear um you know not to go and talk about the dreaded but um it's you know in this situation of um where things are, are kind of getting slowly towards this kind of eureka date this date where things are supposed to be opening up fully again and stuff's supposed to be happening and this is supposed to be happening and that's supposed to be happening and i know a lot of my kind of musical uh, friends of mine that are just professional musicians you know and rely solely on gigging for a living and they and especially some friends of mine who live um, live down in london and work in the west end um, like elliot henshaw a few other people that i know and also that rely on sort of touring shows like um, like Andy Brotherton, a good friend of mine, and um, you know who've been 
spending you know, his last year really teaching, um, you know, doing the usual teaching schools and remotely, but you know, not not having that that really core important part of their playing life has has been not an option for them. You know, and they've been finding other things to do, of course, because they're inventive people. But you know, the bottom line is that the the society opening up again and getting back to kind of normality means that um, for those people, right at the end of that queue, you know, these people are, are at the end of this of the queue of people that are waiting to get back to normal. You know, like for me, it's you know been about vaccine and 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 so this last week was the first time I've been back in work and been able to be around people and you know and and be as kind of protected as I can be. I can't hide out forever and I don't intend to I want to get back to normal and you know hoping that uh, maybe the phone might ring and there might be maybe the opportunity of a gig or something maybe who knows It'd be amazing but um, at least I've been teaching and been working with people I've been working with in the same way and you know and the gigging thing isn't quite so um, isn't an important part of my existence for other reasons you know um, I don't rely on it at all so for them, it's like the core part of their existence in relation to sort of financial freedom and all that stuff as well as the social side of it. And they're at the back of the queue, you know, they're last in line here. Um, and that's really tough. That's a really tough thing. And I think uh, it's, I don't think it's kind of as widely appreciated, you know, because I think a lot of people are behaving now as if everything's back to normal, especially, you know, around where I live and stuff, it feels extremely busy out on the roads and just sort of there's lots of people out and about and I just think, you know, there's, there's like still large groups of our society that are still not able to function as normal. So, you know, looking forward to, anyway, hopefully that all you know getting back to normal and then just that thing of with the output playing and being able to get output going again you know which is um very exciting you know and there's sort of two sides of it and the one is that you want to say oh i'm always going to appreciate now the whole thing of gigging and it's going to be i'm going to see it all in a different way and all that and then the other side of it is almost like you want that feeling to be gone very quickly because you we just want things to get back to normal in relation to you know what we do um and so you know it's like that thing of when, when i was ill when i was 30 one of, one of the great the greatest things i remember was just when i was like 30 uh six um, it sounds like a long time after, but for the first five years after I got well in that first in that period, I it was not it wasn't a kind of a time where I was I'd f I forgot about being ill and was worried about being ill again. It was it was it was something that was on my mind a lot because of a set of circumstances and uh, just in the way in which certain things had had, had kind of happened, and then something happened in 2006 well no so 2005 sorry um that really changed everything and I, I kind of had a real turning point of just suddenly 
being able to just get on with things like normal. And, you know, it's great to have got well and then to be able to then go back to doing things in life normally. But there's a big difference between that and just getting on with things in life normally and not thinking about that. And so, you know, one of my concerns about the post-pandemic thing with a lot of people is worrying that it's going to come back, you know, and that things are going to stop again. And then eventually, hopefully, there'll be a time where it won't, you know, affect us again like it has. The new normal is is, a, is an acceptable normal where we can get on with normal things and people just get on with normal things, you know, and um, can just live a life of planning. Planning is the thing, isn't it, you know? we, we uh, it's good to be able to plan as a human just have a little plan have something to aim for something to um, you know be able to look forward to you know there's the irony of a very loud car going past uh, which we have many of at the moment around here and um, that's something I look forward to planning you know little driving things got some nice track days coming up which have been sort of cancelled from the last year or so next bank holiday monday uh, looking forward to that and then june little one in july little one in august so it's just those little things of yeah but it'd be nice to have some gigs like that as well you know, to be able to sort of go and they're going to happen you know my first gig is september the 18th that's the first gig i've got at the moment so I'm really hoping I'm going to have a few things before that gig because I don't really want to be doing that gig as a first gig because um, it's a really, really important gig, you know. So I want to definitely have got out and played <laughs> with some people before then. So, hope you know, hoping a few little tiny gigs I used to do are going to kind of, kind of going to come back. A lot of these places are hopefully reopening and they'll put music on, so... Yeah, anyway, so that was kind of... I'd written down these notes. I had this little thought about wanting to do uh, do a podcast that was a little bit more... Um, had a topic, you know, um, like a, you know, a specific topic. And, um, and I just made these little notes about, about doing things that... I can't remember what I'd have written down here. Um about practicing things you are interested in and practicing things that you are not interested in <laughs> the whole kind of question of uh, that second part of that sounds like a what they say oxymoron or a contradiction in terms why would you practice something that you're not interested in well is that the whole truth and then that's the message of this that's the thing that um uh that I've yeah that I've challenged myself about you know am I am I not interested in it I'm not interested in this thing or am I like terrified of it or just it's just going to be really hard work I'm not going to feel great it's not going to feel great it's going to be really hard work and it's like and that that sort of that framing in that way feels like a quite an old me now which is really nice you know it feels like um, at fifty just sort of starting to kind of get into that thing of um you know because there's so many things to practice 
you know, and that's the other thing as well is don't do your don't do your heads in with like thinking that I've got all these different things to practice. We we can't do that, and we and nobody does that. It doesn't matter what anybody tells you. Nobody practices everything. Um, some people have you know worked extremely hard and have a lot of things down so therefore practicing more things or a wider variety of things is slightly easier for them because they've got a bit of a wider um platform and uh i i don't feel like i fit into that category at all um i feel like well, I just really, I just, the thing of practice, I just feel like the things I practice, I can't play. So they, they, it all feels like a very narrow platform to me. It was like a, I'm walking the plank, literally. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so there you go. Bit introspective this time, but hopefully that was interesting. I know, pun intended. Um, hopefully it was useful, actually. Um, yeah, I want to try and just, you know, talk about a few more useful things in the next few weeks and get hopefully get back into sort of playing a bit more and and then things will feel um like the the topics will feel a little bit more enriched again you know i think uh, things have just it's been a very introspective time it's been a time of a, a long period of time of self-reflection and i think you know it's uh we're all dying to kind of get out there again and um and express ourselves, you know, and uh, I'm sure that will happen because there's a massive appetite for music, people, you know. This is the big thing is people are so looking forward to hearing music, you know, live. And it's been great this last week, as I said before, I've had a week of listening to live music in the, in our venue at college, really nice space. And it's been a shame. There's been very, very tiny, tiny audiences. There's only been the crew and... Um, people doing the live stream and, and the colleagues that's been marking with me and uh and some of the students have um, very cleverly had like little extra large bands for just a couple of tunes so they've had like a little little audience you know in between which has been lovely because they've been like some of the tunes especially our vocalists you know some of our vocalists really kind of they they really look after each other and come together. And it's great because they've, uh, three of them did, uh, did sort of tracks for each other, you know. They, 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 they're all different tracks, but in each performance they were involved. So um, they had a little bit of an extra like a little bit of an extra audience which was really cool but uh, but yeah yeah but no audience audience which is a shame but uh, that's hopefully coming in the next few weeks so fingers crossed everybody um so yeah thanks for listening and um bye for now